Open up your funk Bible and turn to page LaGrind for this episode of the Presser Wine Prince Lyrics Podcast. Joining me again to talk about the first track on the infamous Black Album, a.k.a. the Funk Bible, is Micah Simpson. Welcome back to the show, Micah. Hey, hey. thanks for having me back. Appreciate it. You're, you're welcome. So, yeah, we're here to talk about LaGrind, the first song off the, off the Black Album, and some people might you know be listening to this episode coming on right after i've wrapped up the sign of the times episode and wondering what's going on because this album wasn't released until 1994 like it officially was released in november of 1994 so why am i jumping straight into the black album right after sign of the times when you know there's love sexy and batman and graffiti bridge and diamonds of pearls and etc etc well i mean the reason why and i think anybody who's familiar with the history behind the album can attest to is that the black album is is in all for all intents and purposes an 80s record it was recorded primarily 86 87 it contained song a song that was intended for the camille project which was supposed to come out in like 86 you know, the song we're going to be talking about today, the Lagrine song, was recorded in December of 1986. I mean, this was this is an 80s album. I mean, there's just no way to uh, dismiss that fact. Just because it got released in 94, in my mind, it's an 80s album. It fits in with the 80s sound. Uh, it, it just doesn't sound like the 90s albums that Prince was making. You know, it doesn't have any of the New Jack swing. It doesn't have any of, you know, the rapping that he incorporated into his early 90s music it just doesn't fit in with his 90s records from a you know from a sonic standpoint and if prince would have gotten his way originally like or i should say maybe if warner brothers would have gotten their way this album would have been released in december of 1987 and had a a street date of uh, december 8th 1987 that it was targeted to be um you know shipped to record stores like eight months after double album sign of the times was released which is kind of bonkers that mm. prince was you know thinking of is having a you know a double album in the first half of the year and then releasing yet another album in the second half of the year granted the this album which has been kind of dubbed the black album i mean that's not technically its name it never it wasn't even going to have a name it was just going to be like uh, a, a black sleeve with um with a number on it like you know a listing number and there wasn't going to be any credit to prince on the record it was just kind of gonna kind of gonna show up and people are gonna have to just you know word of mouth figure out you know who it was by and what it was all about it just kind of became dubbed the black album because of its partially because of its just stark black cover and i guess there's even some suspected uh, or suspected uh, history behind the album that he recorded it kind of as a a response to some of the criticisms he was receiving from some of his uh, black followers and black supporters that thought maybe he was going a little too pop, you know, and he, where was the funk? <laughs> the, the stuff that made him, you know, really ha- popular in the black community in the late 70s, early 80s was kind of 
you know falling on the wayside with albums like parade and around the world in a day which do have funk on them but they're not funk focused you know he was experimenting with a lot of different um sounds and styles for those two albums and of course purple rain was a very rock oriented record Mm -hmm. so you know that that there's some speculation about this the creation of this album for that reason as well but it, it's very infamous for that for that reason because Prince decided last minute, uh, you know what, I'm not going to release this album. He had Warner Brothers pull all of the copies that were supposed to be shipped. Uh, so of course, there were some promo um, promo copies that that made it out into uh, various stores. I think mostly in Europe. So those copies are some of the most bootlegged and most valuable final records that exist (laughs) in history so it does have its it does have its um kind of historical significance for being one of the most bootlegged albums of all time and also one of the most expensive if you can find you know one of those original promo copies that still found its way out there but you know the actual album itself the um the official release did not find its way into stores until 1994 so kind of an interesting history he pulled it because i guess he thought it was you know too evil it wasn't like in like in the vibe that it was because you know by the time it was supposed to come out it had been almost a year or you know six months or seven months after he'd recorded all the songs he was starting to go down a more spiritual path and it just didn't feel i guess it just didn't sit right with him like the lyrical content some of the the themes that he was singing about just didn't feel right to him um so that and i'm not going to speculate on you know you know was it a, a drug trip that widely cons- you know has been t- passed around as far as that has gone it's almost like become quote unquote fact at this point even though i don't know if it's fact i mean but, we'll just say allegedly <laughs> yeah allegedly yeah, he had yeah. like a an ecstasy trip and and the end result was he felt really bad about this album and just wanted to to ditch it to pretend like right. it didn't exist. And then of course you get the infamous um Don't Buy the Black Album, I'm sorry, hidden message in the Alphabet Street, the first song off of uh or the first single off of his next album, real next album, Love Sexy. Mm-hmm. So Micah, uh, I know you're a little younger than me, so I mean I didn't have much of a history with this album. I was only twelve when the album was supposed to be released, so I wasn't I wasn't looking for bootlegs <laughs> as a twelve year old. <laughs> in in 1987 what what's your history with this album how did you become aware of it and how did you end up finally hearing it the first time i actually heard about it or read about it i believe i want to say was in the liner notes for the the hits and b-sides set maybe i think that was the first time i sort of caught wind of it and I didn't, uh, you know, after that, I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know too much about it. Uh, never heard any of the music. And then, uh, you know, because you know, back then, 1987, I was, I was about seven years old. So I, I didn't, even back then, I never even heard of it. I didn't hear, uh, I didn't hear the album or hear, hear much more about it until, I want to say, when, uh, the Warner Brothers decided that they were going to officially release it. So, um, and I think at that point, see, that was 94. So I was about 14 years old and I had read about it even more in uh, some of the Prince bio books that, um, that I had, uh, 
bought at the time. So I was just uh, really just, you know, just sort of reading up and really sort of to advance my knowledge uh, as you know, a Prince fan because, you know, I was a little bit younger. But uh, so when when they officially dropped it, and this was around the holidays, I believe, back in 94, mm-hmm. I had bought I, I bought the cassette tape uh, with my uh, allowance. So, so you know, uh, I, I remember uh, getting the cassette, and uh, actually, I'm looking at it right now. So it has the hyper sticker says uh, Prince's name and Peach, uh, the font, and the legendary Black album limited edition. So I said, hmm, okay. So I went home and listened to it, and. By that time, I I was still learning, you know, how to pinpoint. And I, I'm sure you've heard, you've done this too. Now that uh, when you hear a lot of vault tracks, your ear can kind of tell about what period he probably recorded. Oh know, yeah, music. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but uh, to your point in, in the in the intro, when you said that, you know, this was released in '94, and it's very much an '80s album, so it didn't match up to the music. Of the of that time that Prince was doing, and that's one of the things I really observed. And I said, "Oh, okay, so this was an album that that he recorded back then." Because, and and at that time, I don't think I had the Love Sexy album uh, yet. But the, the, that's another story. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but I, I I could tell. Uh, but I was familiar with you know Alphabet Street and. And and just that sound. So uh, when I uh, listened to the album, I could tell it was sort of like uh, how do you want to say? It? I guess like the bridge between Sign of the Times going into Love Sexy. Yeah. So so yeah. Yeah, for sure. I would say. Um, I mean, legendary. The fact that they put legendary on the sticker for yeah. the the final release in '94 almost mm-hmm. told told you what you need to know about it, even if you weren't. Like we, I think we were just too a little too young to really kind of be caught up in the hype and right. the myth myth making that this album had in the mm-hmm. late '80s. I mean, people were trying to bootleg it, like I'd already mentioned, and people who had gotten a copy were, you know, praising it. I think uh, people were like art musicians, other musicians, um, kind of more famously, U uh, two, Bono, and The Edge had put it on, listed it both on their best albums in 1988 even though it never got a release because you know they they knew somebody who knew somebody and got a copy and wow and so people were people were you know praising it and and for the vast majority of the population yeah. this was an unheard this was an unheard album so you're just i can imagine how how um eager somebody would have been who was just seeing all this praise heaped onto this unreleased prince album after he had recorded such a masterpiece that Sign of the Times was, can you mm. imagine how just like kind of crazy it might have gotten for some people who who loved Prince so much and who loved Sign of the Times to think his very next project was unreleased and it was being uh, you know praised by these other artists saying it was like one of the best albums of the year even though it wasn't actually released. Right. I can imagine. Right, um, you know the the fervor around trying to get your hands on a copy, even if it was some crappy, you know, like third um, uh, dubbed version off, you know, like a dub of a dub of a dub. 
mm-hmm. type of situation. At least you got to hear it and you got to feel kind of like what it was all about. And it almost like it was never going to be able to live up to that. Um, mm-hmm. Those those expectations for anybody who bought it in 1994, one, because there was just so much hype around it. You know, legend, yeah. quote unquote, legendary status, as it says right there on the sticker. And yep. number two it's a bit it's a bit dated sounding so if you're if you're expecting like a real uh, cutting edge uh kind of album in 1994 it's not what you're going to get i mean dead on it is a perfect example we're not here to talk about dead on it but that song sounds like mid 80s rap i, I was just about and, to say that yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and by 1994 yeah. rap had evolved like tremendously because mm. you know such a new genre so you know it had nowhere else to go but it had, I mean, it had everywhere to go. Like, it, there was no limitations. So, for the you know the rap sound in 1994 was light years ahead of what it sounded like. What rap sounded like in 1986. So, even if you weren't sure, just listening to Dead On It would give anybody a clue, unless he was trying to do some throwback thing. But people weren't <laughs> people weren't recording throwback rap songs in the mm-hmm. mid 90s yet. I mean, not enough time had passed. Yeah, even back then when I had bought the the cassette tape. And I just, I I just kept looking at the album cover, which is well mainly the sticker. It's like the legendary black album, and I was trying to figure out what was so legendary about it. Because listening to it, I enjoyed it, but like you said, at that time in '94, I was like, yeah, this this does sound dated, <laughs> you know. You know, looking yeah. back on it, that's that's how I felt. It, it sounds dated, but. I, I also enjoyed it. I think if I had heard it back in 87 or or even 88, if I had heard about it in real time, I probably would have felt uh, different in comparison to the first time I heard it in 94. But but over the years, I've definitely uh, grown to appreciate the album. It's, uh, you know, it it slaps, you know, it's it's, it's definitely a a good album. Mm, This is an album that I have grown to enjoy more over time because uh yeah it just it wasn't what i was looking for from prince in 1994 same here (laughs) and i and i didn't have and i you know like just like you Mm -hmm. i didn't have the uh you know the experience of knowing that it existed and then never being able to hear it for seven years Mm -hmm. so when it was finally released and i saw again like you saw legendary i'm like oh why why (laughs) again why is this legendary so then i had to read reviews about it and reviews kind of told me like oh yeah this is the album prince decided not to release at the last minute in 1987 like okay cool so it's finally being released but i expected it to be some masterpiece and when i listened to it i didn't i didn't get masterpiece i just got a cool funky album but not masterpiece. right Right. same here because when i had read the uh the book by Pierre Nelson, Dance, Music, Sex, Romance. I remember when that book had came out. Uh, I can't remember what year. I want to say maybe late 80s, not 80s, I'm sorry, late 90s, early 2000s. But in that book, he sort of went into more detail about the whole, uh, the origin of the Black album. So then it started to make a little bit more sense to me. But I still felt at that time, it seems like the whole, I, I think the mystique of it is what it sort of intrigues people uh, it, it, rather than, because it didn't really live up to 
the hype, I guess, you know, like you like you were saying, mm-hmm. but so yeah, it's it's uh, I think it's just more so the the whole mystique about it and the the alleged experience that he had with uh, uh, ecstasy and uh, you know with uh, Ingrid uh, uh, Chavez Chavez yeah. Yeah, yeah and things like that. I mean, I don't know if he he was doing it with her or. Yeah, she's come out and said that she she has said recently that um, she had nothing to do with that. But right, you know, none of us were there, so exactly. Yep. But yeah, either or. I mean, and again, the reason why I'm putting this after sign of the times for my podcast is because I'm trying to trying to kind of draw a line through Prince's lyrics and trying to get from point A to B all the way to Z. You know, from for you to hit and run phase two. And when I'm going through lyrics, these songs were written in this time frame. So I want to be able to, I want the opportunity to make connections to songs that he was writing and recording around the same time. So it just makes more sense for me to talk about the lyrics to songs that were written in 86, 87, when I'm covering other albums that were recorded in 86, 87, like Sign of the Times and Love Sexy. Because as you mentioned, it's a, it's, it is a really a bridge between those two records. And uh, it, it's an important piece of his evolution as an artist and as a lyricist and all, and, you know, as a, as a spiritual human being to go from, you know, some songs. I mean, he was exploring spirituality and around, uh, around the world in a day he had a few songs on Sign of the Times that you could point to that. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, just like any human being, you have flaws. And uh, maybe sometimes you kind of take a different path than the one you were originally on. And you have a detour. And next thing you know, you're down this you know, kind of dark road where, you know, he didn't have his band anymore. The, the revolution in late 86. He hadn't, because when, like, specifically La Grind, which is the song we're talking about, he was mm-hmm. like in between bands. I mean, he had he had band members that he was keeping with him, like, you know, the horn section of Eric in Atlanta. They were going to stay with him. He kept uh, Dr. Fink. Ultimately, mm-hmm. he was incorporating, you know, Sheila E. Moore into his band. She was more than just you know, a, a side act or, um, you know, a protege. She was an actual right. member of Prince's forthcoming touring band. So it's not right. like he didn't have anybody. You know, he didn't like dismiss all of them, but he still right. had his boys, Wally and Greg and. Uh, you know, and and I think he Nico was Weaver. Nico, Nico Weaver yep, was he stuck there. with him for the sign of the times. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. So, I think it was just a period of. I feel like it was just a period of change. You know, he just also broken up with Susanna, and uh, he was going through a lot around this time. I feel like. I mean, I wasn't also I wasn't there, so I'm speculating. But just the music that he was writing around this time, you could sometimes tell like some of the songs were kind of angry or a little aggressive and. Uh, and and I think that there's been stories told by like uh, some of his engineers, um, Susan Rogers at the time, that he would sometimes write a really kind of angry song and then follow it up with a like a really beautiful spiritual song because he's trying to show both sides of himself or feel guilty about it. And and that's, I guess, what he ultimately felt about the Black Elm. He felt a little guilty about the content within and decided just he didn't want that to be the last work of art that he created if he was to die tomorrow he didn't want right. the black album to be the last thing he created and that was his words mm-hmm. yep yeah I've, I've actually uh seen that quote in uh one of the uh prince books that i own and uh but but even when i read that that even 
intrigued me more. Like, and I, I can't remember if I had it at the time. Maybe I did. So, and I kept on trying to figure out, well, what, what's so bad about it? <laughs> you know, because in comparison <laughs> yeah. to, I mean, I'll say this: there, there are some explicit stuff. Uh, now, well, to your point, uh, when he said that he was a little angry, yeah, I, I can kind of hear a little bit of that. Um, but also, uh, for me, I also hear a lot of humor on the album too. <laughs> so, for sure, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I even think like a song like Bob George, which oh, we'll yeah. I'll get to later. I think that song is funny as hell. <laughs> uh, me too. <laughs> me too. I love that song because I find it funny. Yes, it's dark. It's like dark humor, but yes, I like it dark. Is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I dig dark oh, yeah. humor. Oh yeah. And he and it's not like he completely dismissed like he didn't he didn't want to erase the black album from existence completely because he utilized some of the songs on, on this unreleased album at the time in his love on his love sexy tour. In right. 1988. So, mm-hmm. uh, for somebody who was like, "Yeah, I'm sorry, don't don't buy the black album," but he also understood like it had a it had a place. It had a place in his development as an artist, and he used that um, really kind of um, creatively and brilliantly in the Love Sexy tour to represent Absolutely. you know the dark side, the spooky electric dark side of of human nature and of, and of himself by mm-hmm. having parts of songs like Bob George and rock hard in the funky place, um, put that on stage to represent, you know, the dark side of, of, of Prince and of also just of humans in, in general, jealousy and sexuality and lust and, uh, violence and the stuff that those songs represent before right. he of course evolved into, you know, you know, the spiritual half of that tour, which was mm-hmm. the love sexy side. So, yeah, and this song isn't 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 evil. I don't think. You know, I don't listen to Legrand and think, no. "Wow, it's a really evil song." Right. <laughs> no, no, same no. here. Yeah. It's to me, it it basically shares a, a similar vibe and kind of um, you know, kind of almost like the flip side to like a song like Housequake. Yes. So, yeah, Housequake is just is also it's a Camille song, but you know, he doesn't do a Camille voice in Lagrine, but the the gist of Housequake is that he's created this new dance, and he's just trying to get everybody hyped up to, to you know to perform it with him and get the party started, and it's, it's kind of sexy and it's, it's fun and all those things. You know, it's basically a party song about about right. a dance that he's created called Housequake. Well, guess what Lagrine's about? <laughs> it's about us. It's about a dance, but it's a song that really kind of has the same or similar um themes as housequake he's he's the party starter he's the mc he's the guy who's trying to get everybody to follow along with this new nouveau dance that he's created Mm -hmm. called the grind or le grind because he still got his uh his his obsession with france and french language yes going on in this song <laughs> right, so right yeah this is this is a pretty long song it's like almost seven minutes not quite like six six forty five or something like that and it's mm-hmm. got lyrics all throughout so a lot of it's repeating and a lot of it's just kind of like you know chanting of of lyrics and lines that had been mm-hmm. previously presented earlier in the song so there's going to be a lot of like stuff that we don't have to to pour over in depth 
but um, you know, the first few verses for sure we'll talk about. Before we get started on digging into the lyrics, Micah, did you have anything else you wanted to say about the song in general? Like, what do you what do you feel about Lagrine, just generally speaking, as a as an album opener and as a song in general? Well, I think this is a great album opener. <laughs> I mean, this really sets the tone, you know, as far as the uh, quote unquote the, the funk bible. So, uh, yeah, I, I think this is, uh, like I said, a great uh, album opener. And uh, this is uh, this will be one of my favorite uh, tracks on the album. Yeah. Yeah. And and as I mentioned before, we get started again. This was recorded in December of 86, about the same time that he was still recording, like the final pieces of the Sign of the Times record, which was You Got the Look, and that which was also recorded in December of 86. So he's just finalizing like his next album and he's recording songs for what would end up being Black Album, even though the way I understand it and the way it's kind of been described on Princeville is that this was one of the songs that he had recorded for a birthday party for Sheila E. That's right. Dece- yeah. On December 11th, 1986. So I don't even know if he had like an album in mind at the time when the song was recorded. I think maybe he was just recording a really kind of fun party song to perform at Sheila's party because you know what a great what a great gift right like you have oh, <laughs> one yeah. of, what you're one of your friends is prince what better gift can he give somebody than a, a brand new song that was kind of created just for your party that's right. cool as hell and this and the song is it's appropriate just for for that a party i mean I, i'm really surprised i don't hear this song being played at a lot of uh, prince parties i mean it you know it, it definitely uh should give a little bit more love uh, to all my uh, fellow Purple family out there who throws Prince parties. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 a jam. Yeah. It absolutely is a party starter. And even if the party's it's already so. going, it'll keep it going because it's that it's that song. It's that kind of song. Absolutely. Uh, horns were added later and some vocal um, vocal overdubs. I mean, it's ah, got yes, like yes, it's got like a party work. feel to it, kind of like Housequake, where you've got he's trying to get people to chant with him and and repeating lines, and you hear vocals like Prince Fault's got you know Bonnie Boyer listed, Cat Glover listed, mm-hmm. Sheila E listed, Jill Jones, Susanna Melvoin. So it would if Susanna was on it, it would have had to have been done before they broke up because they were they broke up early in or late '86. I, I can't right. imagine he would bring her back into the studio in 87 to record a vocal overdub. So some of that stuff might've been done in 86 for the Sheila E party. And some of it might've been added later, you know, before when he was already thinking that this maybe could be an aspect of a, my next album or, you know, be included for my next album. I think the, I think some of these dates are not entirely uh, written in stone, but you have to assume like some of this was done in 87 if he had the album ready you know pressed and ready to go by december of 87 so right the timing makes sense mm-hmm. oh yeah okay so we should probably get going on the lyrics so uh the first thing we hear like pretty much right away um after the beat kicks in is you've got like this really low like prince's voice is in this lower register it almost sounds a little bit like the voice he does for bob george not exactly um but it's definitely lower and it's actually pretty hard to to hear underneath yeah. the music that's there but so i buried in the mix super bit. buried yeah. exactly very buried and but there's some key kind of 
key lines in here. So I'm just going to read what he says at the beginning, like in this uh, spoken intro. So you found me. Good. I'm glad. This is Prince, the cool of cools. Some of you may not know this, but some of you may know. Some of you may not want to know. We are here to do service. Please don't try to stop us, for we come regardless. For we are strong as we are intelligent. So come vibe with us. Welcome to the Funk Bible, the New Testament. So that's that's a pretty cool, pretty cool intro. I mean, he's trying to, I think, kind of try to express quite a bit of uh, trying to kind of express like maybe what the idea behind the album is going to be. Mentioning the Funk Bible, the New Testament, um, and also just like lines like uh, "Don't try to stop us. We're strong. Right. We're intelligent." I feel like there's maybe some multiple or you know multiple meanings behind lines like that. What are your thoughts on that? I think um, I'll say like for the part where he says, uh, "You found me good. I'm glad." I, I wonder. And he says, this is Prince. I'm wondering if he's sort of speaking to the fans who sort of uh, maybe shied away from him after mm-hmm. Purple Rain or maybe after Around the World in a Day. Because I've heard stories over the years where mixed, uh, mixed stories about people dug the album. Some people didn't know what to make of the album. and They just uh, couldn't get into it. As far as the the musical direction they were going, you know, they were more so into what he did from For You to 1999, or or even or even Purple Rain. So, and you know, with him getting criticism from uh, certain writers, I think Nelson George probably was one of them. Uh, you know, who said that he sort of alienated his his core audience, the, the, the his, his black audience, you know, and maybe forgot mm-hmm. his uh, uh, funk roots. So <clears throat> that's who I maybe think he's sort of speaking to, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. in that regard. So, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that there's definitely some clear, like, like you said, you found me. I'm glad. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, I'm back. You know, I, I, my name is Prince. I'm still that guy, you know. I'm still your. I'm still the guy that I was when you maybe first started listening to me in 1979. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I went on a. I went on a different path for a while. The revolution made me huge. You know, helped make me huge. Obviously, the revolution didn't write the music, but my. I think my point is that you know mm-hmm. Prince with the revolution was when he was at his most critical, and at that time, uh, popular apex like from a crossover perspective but they're gone you know they're gone um this is i'm starting a new chapter in my career and one thing i'm going to do is you know uh, extend this olive branch to any of my former fans that kind of fell off after a while wasn't wasn't feeling parade wasn't feeling around the world in a day Mm -hmm. thought sign of the times had some cool stuff but you know was overall had was too to uh eclectic or you know mixed bag this is this album is going to be all about you know maybe trying to win some of his old audience back and i think that's astute observation micah yeah and um just the lines like i mentioned um we're before we come regardless we are strong and we are intelligent i'm wondering if he's also kind of talking about 
you know, just uh, the black community in general. Like, it's another aspect of trying to win some of his core fans back. It's like, you know, I'm going to, I'm on some pro black shit right now, you know, <laughs> and I'm going right. to, and I'm going to express that here on the song or maybe not so much on the song, but at least in the intro, because the song is mostly just about dancing and partying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not like dropping public enemy style rhymes on the song. Um, but you know, uh, he just don't, I don't know. I mean, I just kind of get that a little bit. And then to call it the funk Bible, the new Testament, it does feel like he's trying to open up a new, a new chapter in his career. At least for one album, if nothing else. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I, I never actually uh, thought about that. You know, as far as he, you know, when uh, he says, uh, "Yeah, we are strong and we are intelligent." Yeah, you, you might be right about that. Yeah, just a guess. Don't really know, mm-hmm. obviously, but something to think I'll, about. Um, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, and please don't try to stop us. I like that line just because. Oh like, yeah. This is. It feels like the, he's on. You know, on a train that's heading down the tracks and and this whole album is going to be pure unadulterated funk and yeah don't try to stop it this is the way it's going to be you know you're not gonna you're not gonna hear you know the pop hooks the minneapolis right. sound is a little bit uh dead to him at this point or at least he's being evolved and right. um you know we, it's it's just the new it's the new thing it's the new testament so get on get on board yeah, I think that part where he says, uh, please don't try to stop us, you know, for we come regardless. I, I, I think that's the rebel in him. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just, <laughs> hey, you know, like I'm not afraid of anybody. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So come vibe with us. Welcome to the Funk Bible. All right. So then the first real, like, because that's the intro, then the first real lyrics that you hear in his normal singing voice. People get ready. Nouveau dance here. All the girls and all the boys. Get close. Have no fear. We're going to do a grind, y'all. Got you where I want you. And girl, it's going to feel so good. Up and down, up and down. On the beach, y'all. Like a pony would. Pony would. Using the word nouveau dance. Nouveau meaning new, basically. New, yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It's, it's more yeah, modern. It's got, yeah. Exactly. So he's kind of expressing the... Uh, you know the the elements of this new dance, moving up and down. It's called Lagrine. Lagrine also again the in French. Uh, so the grind, you know, you can already get some visuals when you call a, a dance the grind, because um, he mentioned grinding as a euphemism for having sex in Darling Nikki. Right. So uh, you, at least I get visuals of just being like this really kind of sweaty sexy atmosphere bodies really close together um basically having sex with your clothes on <laughs> for lack of a yeah. better word <laughs> that's the kind yeah. of vibe or the kind of uh, imagery i get when he's calling mm-hmm. the song the grind or la grind um what do you what do you get out of this first section of lyrics micah yeah, I think I have to pretty much co-sign uh, with you, Jason. It's, uh, I, I would use the phrase uh, more so dry humping. 
you know, <laughs> if anything. Yep. Uh, so that's that's pretty much how uh, I sort of uh, the 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 imagery that I get. I I just get this this vision of this is a party. You have all these lights. The lights, are, you know, it's dark in there, um, and it's just like it's just wild and uh you like you said uh you have people with their clothes on you might even have some people over in the corner somewhere or even in the middle of the dance floor getting like even more wild undressing yeah. each other yeah. you know because really getting busy yep <laughs> exactly because the way that he you know starts off the the lyrics for me it sort of reminds me of it harkens back to dmsr a little bit just sort of giving instructions and and everything but uh yeah i yeah that's just pretty much how i get it very uh just very open mm-hmm. so. that's funny you mentioned dmsr because i have that in my notes too i'm like i i, I literally ah, wrote down harkens back to songs such as dmsr so i'm sure you didn't look at my notes <laughs> no no sorry no sorry that's hey. funny we, well i mean it just it just kind of reiterates like i think we're on the right path or the same path here we think absolutely I mean, he's done absolutely. a song like this before you know he's done songs like this before yeah. it's not dmsr housequake now mm-hmm. it's the grind so there you go it's yeah. just introducing a new dance and uh i just want to call out two things before we move on so nouveau there was a big hit in 1987 lean on me by club nouveau so that that word was kind of already mm-hmm. i wouldn't say popular but people had been had heard of it because of club nouveau so if this would have been a radio hit they would have kind of already knew what the the word meant potentially and then the lines uh, going up and down on the beach all like a pony would pony would of course we get the the cats Cat Glover's rap on Alphabet Street on the next album when she talks about jerking your body like a horny pony would. Now run and tell your mom about that. So it's kind of like, you know, he's saying it here, but then the whole uh, imagery of using a pony to to kind of um, express, you know, the sexuality and, and movement that goes along with sex uh, has been done. He did it later. And then, of course, you have the song Horny Pony, which found its way onto uh, the Get Off uh, single as a B-side in 1991. So he liked this idea of... He seemed to have an interesting uh, fascination, excuse me, with ponies. <laughs> horses me. horses, and ponies, yes. Yeah. Yes. It's, oh, yeah. it's not imagined, it's real. There's many examples. Mm-hmm. This is just another one. So, yeah, just wanted to call that out because it's very similar to the cat rap on Alphabet Street. All the boys, grab a girl, get down on the floor. This funky beat's gonna show you, gonna show you what your hips are made for. Uh, grind, come on, people! It's much too late, it's much too late to be shy. London, what is Big Ben's Um, okay, so then moving on, then we get more lyrics. The grind. All the boys grab a girl, get down on the floor. This funky beat's gonna show you, gonna show you what your hips are made for. Nouveau grind. Come on, people, it's much too late. It's much too late to be shy. London, what does Big Ben say? Time to do the grind. No, hear you say, time to do the grind. 
Um, there's, you know, I mean, this next line, these next grouping of lines, I don't think are have quite as many interesting aspects. Uh, I mean, you know, London, what does Big Ben say? He's just calling out London just to give him a shout out, I feel. I don't know. Um, they don't and, he's, really and, he's actually, and he's actually doing it in a London uh, accent, too. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, kind of a half-assed accent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, but again, just boys grab a girl get on the floor it's a funky beat show you what your hips are made for so you know uh, a dance like the grind you're going to be shaking your hips you're going to be grinding your hips dry humping using your hips i mean it's all very hip 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 driven dance i get the impression it's not a dance that you use your uh you know your your shoulders very much it's very hip hip driven is what i'm getting from this um much too late to be shy. So basically, get out there and, and really kind of go for it. That's what yeah, this. Get, yeah, get up on it. Yeah, <laughs> get up on it. That's what this dance is all about. Oh yeah. Don't be shy. The next grouping of lyrics, which we do, he gets get a little more of Prince speaking French. La grind, baby, I got you where I want you. Now I got you where I want you. He preets want you. C'est soir, le chante, all night long. C'est soir, chante, all night long. Uh, pretty mama with the long hair, is that your boyfriend? Ha, I don't care, because I can do, said I can do tricks he can never do. When I get naked, we'll see the real you. Am I getting through? I got you where I want you, baby, baby. And then he says, piano man, put it where it feel good. And then you start to hear the tinkling of pianos. So, again, the the French for anybody who does, doesn't feel like Googling translate, c'est soir la chante, means uh, tonight, sing it, basically. Or this evening, sing it is the literal, but I think maybe more accurately would be tonight, sing it. Um mm-hmm. All night long, sing the ground. Sing yeah. it all night long, yeah. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. Uh, let's see. Pretty mama with the long hair, is that your boyfriend? I don't care. So <laughs> I think he's done <laughs> things like that before where he's kind of like uh, pretty pretty irreverent towards girls and women who maybe came with a man, but if he's interested, you know what? Forget him. <laughs> I'm going to. Right. Uh, you're going to come home with me at the, at the end of the night. Yeah, I think this was an example of Prince sort of doing some dirty macking, you know, mm-hmm. I would say. I can so. do tricks he can never do. So he's basically <laughs> trying to talk himself up here to be the superior lover, I would say, because I don't yeah. think he's talking about magic tricks. Um, <laughs> when, I get, <laughs> when I get naked, <laughs> we'll, seal the, we'll see the, the real you, which is kind of an interesting line. Instead of, when I get naked, we'll seal, see the real me, it says, when I get naked, we'll see the real you. So maybe he's trying to say, like, you know, once we get alone and we can get each other's clothes off, I'll get to see, you know, the real you, meaning, like, I get to, you don't have to be so shy or have to be so... Reserved. Uh, and, reserved, yeah. thank you, yes, right. exactly. You can really let... Let yourself go um, and 
let yourself enjoy the moment. Oh, yeah, because uh, it's a different party behind closed doors. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I, know, that's so. the impression I'm getting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, saying uh, when I get naked, you know, he probably was just, you know, just saying, well, we'll see what your reaction is going to, you know, what it's going to be, you know, when, you know, like I said, when, when, I, when I put you in a situation where, <laughs> you know, anything goes and, yeah, those yep. are. Those are very uh, princely lines, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, the, the nasty, the rude boy side. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely being, he's definitely portraying that, you know, that, uh, that lover man, the, the kind that can steal your, steal your girl and uh, the, the ultra confident guy who's going to do what it takes to, to have fun. And uh, if he sees somebody he wants, he's just going to go for it and he's not going to care if she came with somebody else, as I already mentioned, this is, right. and, you're, and and she's going to go along with it because he's, he's damn it. He's the cool of the cools. As he mentioned. Cool. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's the cool of cools. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I like, I like this verse a little bit better just because it has some interesting, I mean, I can't do the lyrics complete justice, just reading them. Like it's kind of cooler the way he sings them. Some of the lines are sung in, in in one way, and then he'll go to the next line, and it'll be sung slightly different. Some of them are a little more spoken. Some are, you know, more proper uh, singing voice. He's got, you know, just some French, and also there's a lot of like background or echoing of of lines here as well uh, that happens throughout the song. Uh, I don't always do the echoing parts because it doesn't really come across as well when you're just reading lyrics. But listen to the song. You got kind of the cool echoing lines uh, that's always fun to do and especially when it's somebody else's voice and um, right. this is where like the women that i had already mentioned at the beginning of the song that are credited for being on here i imagine we've got several of them kind of singing together and creating this um the sound of multiple voices out in the crowd singing along with with prince Party, this party is going to last all night. When I give the cue, scream, all right? Party, party. Uh, you say, party, party. Clap your hands double time and you get some, you know, fast claps. And this oh, yeah. is where, like, a lot of this feels very DMSR like. Uh, I was just about to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I probably wrote in my notes when I was listening to this part of the song, like, this is like DMSR pretty much exactly. Dance, right. dance, music music sex sex romance so it's right. kind of the same kind of vibe party party and he exactly. says all the boys say yeah 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 all the girls say oh yeah oh yeah now all you others say hell yeah hell yeah too sexy too right. sexy too sexy <laughs> and uh i always think when i hear too sexy i always for some reason i get morris's voice in my head too sexy but uh, <laughs> yeah but that was a sheila e song right i mean that was a b-side Right. That Sheila E. sang. I mean, of course, it's still written by Prince, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so 
anything you wanted to mention about this part of the song? It's kind of just a fun part. Oh, yeah. See, I, I was going to say, I think this part sort of, uh, if I think this was definitely speak to some of the, uh, the, 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 the critics or, or the fans who felt like, yeah, this is not the same Prince that I got introduced to, like, as far as 1999. I think this is his way of saying or showing, hey, I'm still that guy. Like, I can still do stuff that's similar to what you heard, you know, uh, three, four, five albums, you know, before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I can make basically DMSR part two. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and just update mm-hmm. the update the sound a little bit, you know, it's not quite as... Um, Lindrum, you know, heavy. Right. It's got a, it's got a, well, it's the nouveau grind. So of course it's going to be new. Oh yeah. (laughs) But yeah, it's like DMSR part two in many Mm -hmm. ways. Um, And then, and then he has like this little line, kind of like throwaway line towards the end, which is kind of fun. Not yet Bonnie. Bonnie. And uh, of course I, it's got to be referring to Bonnie Boyer. I don't know who else he'd be referring to there. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's the only one that makes sense. Oh Yeah. Uh, let's see. You've got a lot more grinds repeated. Get ready. Nouveau dance. Girls and boys get close. Have no fear. Doing the grind. Doing the grind here. Oh, I might have um, skipped. Oh, yeah. After like the get uh, not yet Bonnie and before we start getting to some of this, you've got this uh, this heavy breathing part of the song. I missed that. Because there's really no lyrics to it. It's just, you know, and he does that for a while. And so I just I just get like this really uh, heavy breathing because either you're having sex or you're dancing too hard or whatever. You're just horny. I don't know. I, don't I think know. it's all the above. I, I think oh, it's yeah. all the above. Yes. <laughs> I really yeah. do. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's just got that kind of uh, sound to it where, you know, you got also the imagery of, picking up the phone and getting an obscene phone call you get the heavy breathing on the other end but i just get more like because if you're if you're really doing the grind on the dance floor and and really going for it the way prince implores you to throughout the song you're probably working up a sweat you've got some cardio you know you've been doing your oh yeah uh, cardio tonight and and what do people do after they've done cardio they 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 pant a little bit they they have to breathe heavy and hard so not surprising Oh yeah, I mean, he said this 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 funky beat is going to show you what your hips are made for. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, you yeah yeah, he's, he's, this song is definitely going to put you to work, so to speak. Do believe that we've truly touched on something nouveau <laughs> so a little it's kind of like a weird like sophisticated line i do believe that we've truly touched on something nouveau okay yeah uh, you might have uh, or you just uh created a, a fun dance song prince i don't think <laughs> i don't think it, it's really all that deep uh lagrind but sure right <laughs> we've touched on something i just find it a little bit humorous that you know you, you put so much seriousness into uh into a line like that but maybe it's yeah. tongue-in-cheek too maybe but you know <laughs> what when uh, for years i always used to sort of wonder 
Like, if this was going to be a, a new dance, like, what? Uh, I wonder if he was going to show what this dance was <laughs> going to look like. Just, you know, just out of curiosity, I, you know, for me. Yeah. But. Well, remember that MTV show, The Grind? Do you remember that? Um, ah, yes, I do remember that show. Yeah, it was like a, it was like a, a dance party type show, but also like almost a bit of a workout show. Right, I think it was yep. hosted by that guy uh, Eric Knees, who was on um, the Real, Real World. World. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Right. So he was like, you know, he was like a fitness guy, athlete, whatever. And so he was, I think he was, kind of. And I don't know if it had anything to do with this. I mean. It's the the grind TV show. I looked up when it started. It started in 1992, so it came right. out before this officially got a release. So, you know, the the grind or grinding as a dance slash exercise routine, uh, I don't think was something Prince um, invented. I think is just kind of he wanted to throw on a little bit of a you know like this this French. Um, I don't know, like an aspect of the French culture onto it to make it nouveau, make it different than just straight up grinding on the dance floor. But then the way he mm-hmm. describes it, it sounds basically just like straight up grinding on the dance floor. So I don't, I don't know if, if to your point, if he had like this dance in mind, uh, some elaborate dance, I'm not sure what that would look like. Cause all I just get is really simplistic dry humping to your point i don't Probably. see I, I don't know what else it would be it'd be interesting to see if he had a dance in mind or if he just really wanted to make a song that got a little dirty you know down and dirty and and um you know kind of set the tone for the rest of the album yeah well i, I remember hearing um from somebody over in france they're pretty it's a i guess uh erotic place you know uh or, or, or I'm sure a lot of those uh, those cities over there in Europe, they're pretty open to a lot of uh, sexuality. I, I I remember hearing somebody said that I mean, you can even watch porn on TV for free. I don't, I don't know how true that is. I've never been. No, it's true. It's, I don't know about oh, okay. France, but I've been to Amsterdam, and you could turn oh. the TV station in your in, in any uh, regular TV station in Amsterdam and find a porn channel. This was wow early 2000s um i I doubt that it's changed much but yeah so uh not as not as repressed as a society and as we are in the united states when it comes to matters of sex Mm -hmm. and prince did we know prince spent a decent amount of time over in france making under the cherry moon um mm -hmm. clearly fell in love with the culture there for a while it influenced that whole album cycle and uh you know from a from a visual aesthetics from a you know a little bit of sound as well so yeah it could be um this song even was baby had its genesis from or its origin story back to when he was living in france you just don't know very well could be good point very well could be maybe he saw something in a club and France is like shit. We don't do that in the U.S. <laughs> you know, I've gone to dance clubs in the U.S. and it doesn't get this nasty. And right. maybe he thought like, I need to bring this over to the United States. <laughs> we're gonna yeah. do Lagrange, y'all, and we're gonna make this a thing. Right. <laughs> yeah, that could have been. I mean, you're right. Dude. That that could have been the uh, inspiration behind it. And, uh, and going back to what you were saying about the TV show, The Grind on MTV. 
the when I first bought this cassette and I seen the the track listing, Lug Grind, that's pretty much what I thought of was the the MTV TV show. That that was the first thing that that came to mind. So that's funny. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, whatever. I mean, it doesn't really matter anymore. But unfortunately, in '94, it looked like Prince was maybe copying a little bit of the mtv show <laughs> when clearly it was the other way around if, it, right. if there was any kind of influence at all it would have been the other way around yeah oh yeah uh yeah so there's not a whole lot more in terms of like new lyrics there's a lot of like la la's and come on and are you sure's and grind grind come on girl put it put it where it feels good that's that's kind of a standout line towards the end put it where it feels good <laughs> You know, the double entendres, just trying to get a little dirty. Mm. Put what? Put what where it feels good, Prince. <laughs> He's like, well, you figure mm. that out yourself. I'm not going to I'm not gonna explicitly tell you, but you can take it however you want. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Then he says slamming. And, of course, I got to bring up slamming because he says slamming and you got the look, which was recorded the exact same month as this one. So yeah. that was a word he really... Uh, was gravitating towards at that time didn't use slamming a whole lot afterward but late 86 he liked he liked that word slamming yeah and then he starts talking a little bit more about the, the pony part like how to reenact some of the dance moves if you think of yourself as a pony Up and down, up and down, feels so good. Up and down, up and down, like a pony would. And he repeats that a few more times. And he's got, um, I don't I know what he's cat. talking about there. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. know, man. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> no clue. Hmm. Never thought of it before. Maybe he was talking about um, <laughs> when I get getting a, a pogo stick, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, probably. Yes, that must be it. <laughs> must be it uh then we get uh another line that kind of has some interesting or you know kind of an interesting um take is you hear a woman say serve it up frankie She says that uh, Serve It Up Frankie was um, a reference to DJ Frankie Knuckles. And this is apparently something that she would would say during like um, mic checks and, you know, warm ups during um, performances. And she would say Serve It Up Frankie just as a callback to um, the DJ Frankie Knuckles, who I guess was a popular DJ at the time. Mm -hmm. So that's what she's saying there. And that's what it's referring to. It's not like there's a member of prince's posse at the time that was frankie i'm like right. god dang, we, i thought we knew everybody in his in his, his posse right. this time. that was frankie right. but it's not really about a person named frankie that 
that was part yeah. of Prince's crew. It was just reference to this DJ. Yeah, going back, uh, listening uh, to this song in uh, preparation for this uh, episode, uh, I sort of made that connection. And I, I believe Frankie Knuckles was from Chicago, if I'm not mistaken, which is where Cat is from, too. And Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So. Makes sense. Yeah, so I just assume that's Cat saying that since it was her story to mm-hmm. uh, come up with, you know, that line to kind of ad lib it in or just throw it in there because it was kind of fun. Yeah. After he says, put it where it feels good, not there, not there. (laughs) (laughs) Just some of these lines are kind of funny, you know, maybe, maybe this is the quote unquote evil part. Like when he was maybe feeling a little, like he went a little too far with some of these lines, even though I don't, I don't think so. There's nothing too explicit here. It's all, you know, double entendres and, and things like that, where you could take it to mean anything, you know, but if you've just put it in the context of Lagrind, yeah, it's going to come across a little dirty, but yeah. it doesn't have to he, be. Yeah, and then he screams, too, after he says, not there, not there, <laughs> which is, that's interesting, <laughs> too. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. You just have to kind of use your, let your imagination run wild with what's going on there. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, that's, that's basically the song, um, People get ready. He repeats at the very end of the song. People get ready. Uh, doing the grind up in here, up in here. People get ready. And then I think there's another Frankie reference. Frankie, how do you know? And then finally it just says grind. And then the song will then go right into the next track on the album, which is uh, Cindy C. So mm-hmm. basically six six minutes and like 45, 44 seconds of straight up dance. Funk Ooh, up and down, yes. Like up and down, you know. We're we're all tired at this point, man. Uh, this is <laughs> it's a fun song. I I do I do really like this track. I mean, I like this whole album, but this is yeah. this is one of the standouts for me. It's not the standout, but it's one of the better ones in my opinion. Right. I, I like how Same it here. kind of opens it up, opens up the album. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Same here. I I, I really like this song. Uh, I I think it's uh, uh as I said before, I think it's a uh, very good op- album opener and just uh, sets the tone and everything. So, uh, and also I think it uh, transitions very good over into Cindy C as well. Yeah. So. yeah. It's a great one two punch to kick off the album for sure. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, Micah, we have gone on quite a while on a basically just a fun dance song so <laughs> i think we'll wrap it up do you have any final thoughts or final things you wanted to mention about the song or the album in general or i think we covered it all uh, i think we covered it all yeah. uh, for those who've never heard the black album uh, i highly recommend it it's definitely a must-have so yep that's pretty much it i will co-sign that as well so micah where can people find you in in purple underground um, you can find the Purple Underground. Uh, we're on YouTube. Uh, just uh, look us up. Uh, it's me and uh, uh, the guy, uh, my friend, my good friend and partner in crime, uh, Perry Ross. Uh, also, let me, I, I failed to mention this the last time I was on. We also had two other members. I just want to shout them out. Uh, Lenny B, a.k.a. L Boogie, uh, and uh, my uh, lovely girlfriend, uh, Laura Kane. Uh, she's the we call it the good luck charm uh, of the group, uh, or we also call it uh, LC. 
So uh, I just want to sh shout them, the, those two out. Um, also, you can find this on Instagram, uh, the Purple Underground, and uh, you can find uh, me, uh, my personal page on Facebook and uh, Instagram at Micah Simpson underscore CMS. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Micah, for being on this episode. Uh, I've you been your host. Yep, yeah, I've been your host, Jason Brenninger. This has been the Presser Wine Prince Lyrics Podcast. You can find the show, Presser Wine Pod, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Also on YouTube under the Presser Wine Prince Lyrics Podcast name. Uh, check it out if you dig that dig that um, platform for listening to podcasts or just listening to Prince music as I find it. If it's stuff that maybe isn't widely known or distributed, if it doesn't get pulled down, it's going to be on <laughs> it's going to be on my YouTube page. So check it out. And until next time, thank you very much, everyone. And goodbye.